No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Aloha Protein Powder. Get through the cold winter months with a rush of pure, energizing, plant-based protein. Try our favorite, the Vanilla Blend, for 18 grams of protein built with the very best ingredients. Enter Aloha20 at aloha.com to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through February 2016. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 127 of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Fraser, joined for this intro by Doug Hay, who will surely be leaving us when we get to our interview with Drina Burton, author of five vegan cookbooks, most recently Plant-Powered Families, uh, Before That, Let Them Be Vegan, both of which I own and love. So I'm really excited to interview Drina today. Doug, yeah. as a non-parent, you... Uh, that's not that motivating to you, plant-powered families. But I guess I guess you could have a family, just just you and a wife. That's right, yeah. Or with, you know, if you have families over, if you have friends over that have children. Now, you you know, th- that's one of the questions. It's just a topic that we get asked so often, both in Q&As and, you know, emails to you about how to, how to cook for my family or how to get my kids to eat vegan yeah that's why i was really excited to have her on we've been trying to do this for like a year honestly she sent me this book uh before we went to italy and then our house flooded and all that and we were going to do a podcast back then and then everything just kind of got out of hand for a long time so i just i wanted to connect with her and, and have her on but that question has just come in so many times and we even did a podcast episode like two months ago with karen ramsey yeah uh, about this very similar topic karen ramsey though promotes a raw diet and my my concern, I guess, is that some people would, would listen to that and say, this is too far for me. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in being raw, and my kids are never going to go for that if they're not going to – I mean, if, if they're not going to go for regular vegan, I'm not even going to try to get them to go raw. Right. Uh, and, and, I mean, of course, that also brings with it a lot more of the, the confidence issues, right? Parents want to know they're doing the right thing for their kids, and to do something as, quote-unquote, as extreme as being completely raw or high raw, uh, for some, is going to be too much, Where, whereas maybe being vegetarian or vegan – is, is a step that is smaller and, and more reasonable. And in fact, I mean, for me, like I'm not personally high raw. We don't do a raw diet with our kids. We try to eat salads and try to get our kids to eat salads and lots of fruit, but we don't go out of our way to serve raw meals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Adrena, for me, brings a much, a more practical kind of approach. I think that will be, um, you know, hopefully resonate with, with more people. Uh, she really does seem to know a lot. She has three girls herself, uh, has, has been cooking for a long time, just knows a lot has has a lot of really good stuff about kids and what kids will eat and has has done it all herself and, and she's sharing it in this book so i'm excited to have her on and she generously offered to give away two copies of plant-powered families to no meat athlete radio listeners you've got to be in the u.s or canada to enter this uh but all you have to do is go to no slash radio dash 127 that's because this is episode 127 Go there, leave a comment on the post there that just, whatever, says how awesome this podcast is, and uh, you can actually say whatever you want, but if you say something mean, you won't win, but <laughs> but just say something, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be randomly entered, we'll pick two, and then I will announce the winners in, those comment, in that comment area, uh, let's say a week from when this goes live or so, which is going to be really hard for me to figure out on the fly here. <laughs> Well, while you're looking that up, I should go ahead and make a plug. Yeah, as while you're on the internet leaving comments, why don't you head on over to iTunes and also 
leave a rating and a comment on this podcast. That would be a great idea. We almost we don't do that enough. We're we're not good podcasters in that sense because we don't tell people over and over to go leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we probably should do it more, but we don't much. So please do it when we when we do request that, and then we don't have to do it a lot. There you go. So this episode goes live on February fourth. That's a Thursday. Let's say. February 11th, also a Thursday, will be the deadline. At the end of that day, we'll close the entries to this contest. So on that day, we'll announce the two winners of this cookbook and uh, enter. It's a great book. We use it a lot with our family, and uh, I'm excited, to even after talking here, to, to keep using it and use it more. So enjoy the interview. It was a good one, and uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Hey everyone, Matt Fraser here. I'm with Drina Burton, who you probably know as a cookbook author, most recently of the book Plant Powered Families, and of course the website Plant Powered Kitchen. Drina, we've been trying to do this for probably a year now, so it's great to finally connect with you. <laughs> totally. It's wonderful to talk to you. Thanks, Matt. Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking today mainly about the focus of your most recent book, uh, which is families, kid-friendly stuff. Uh, it's funny because I actually, I think my introduction to you, not, not like, um, <laughs> the first I had heard of you or, or, you know, been told about you was from Jetta Hamshaw from Choosing Raw oh, okay. a long time ago. I think it was probably 2012, maybe, maybe even 2011. Um, and we were talking about family friendly food and, and kid friendly food. Cause she knew that I had a son at that point and, uh, and she recommended your stuff. What's funny to me now that looking back at your cookbook collection that you've written is that none of the earlier books were about kids specifically. That's just something that's come along recently. Um, but it, would you say that has sort of run throughout your cooking? Like, has that always kind of been a focus for you? Definitely. And it's funny, that's how I came to know you as well was through Jenna. Oh, okay. <laughs> she, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. That's, I mean, my first book, when my first book came out, The Everyday Vegan, um, I was uh, pregnant just before it came out, and then uh, when it came out, I was, I, our little one was just like, I think, let's see, she was six months, so um, I hadn't touched the family concept at all in that book. Then the next book I did, because um, I think you've probably had the same experience where when you're looking at raising a child, all of a sudden, it feels much more important to look at everything that you're doing with like nutrition and their well-being and so I was already eating healthy but I felt like in raising my child I wanted to know a whole lot more about nutrition and you know new grains and other foods to incorporate into her diet so in that book Viva La Vegan I included a food introduction chart for parents and how to introduce food at stages where um it was less allergenic for them, so they wouldn't have more allergy reactions because there's so many food allergies now. And I think that the way that we introduce foods is a part of it, not all of it, but I think it can be part of it. And then um, my next book, Eat, Drink, and Be Vegan, um, it was more like celebratory fun food and, and just kind of exploring flavor combinations. That one wasn't as much of a family, like bringing family recipes, but I talked about my my kids and my husband like in the recipes at times. And then the same with Let the Meat Vegan. I introduced some family um, insights in that book. But with Plant Power Families, I really felt like there was a lack in the market. Like people really wanted to start learning how to bring healthy food to their families, whether fully vegan or kind of like exploring the diet. And also I was asked like, 
all the time people were asking me, well, what do you put in their lunches? And what about school parties? And, um, you know, my kids are really picky, so what do I do? And so that's where I put everything <laughs> to cover those questions was in this book. Gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, I mean, th- those questions for me come up all the time as well. Um, I, I mean, I think we, t- my family tends to take such a simple approach to things uh, that I don't always have, I don't always have like good satisfactory answers, I don't think, to those things. It's kind of like, oh, we just see what happens and then it always works out. Um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into that kind of stuff because we do get those questions all the time. We've talked about kids a little bit on this podcast before, um, but really haven't, haven't gone into too much depth. So I'm really excited to, to talk to the, to you about those sorts of tips. Um, so you have, you have three girls, right? Right. And how old are they? They are now, um, my eldest, she is 14 going on 15. Um, my middle girl just turned 11 and then our youngest is six almost seven. She thinks she's 15 though. (laughs) (laughs) Third child syndrome. She wants to be so much older. Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, you've, and, and they've all been raised vegan obviously now, but were they all, were you vegan when, when you had the first one you said? Yeah. Yeah. Great. That was a while ago, right? That was 15 years ago now. So it was, yeah, you were like one of the first vegans then, huh? Yeah. (laughs) When I be, well, I, yeah, I became vegan 20 years ago, and I was just a total nutbar to everyone I knew. Like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Crazy. But it was kind of, I would say it was a little scary at first because it was a little bit unchartered territory in a way. There wasn't a lot of information out there. But I knew in my heart it was right and good, and I knew that there was enough information out there to support it. There wasn't as much as there is now, but there certainly was enough to feel, like, confident about it. But it was a little unnerving, you know. Yeah, as everything is with kids, <laughs> yeah, right? So then I'm I'm interested for you as far as nutrition goes. You mentioned you know looking at it more carefully once you have children, and I've experienced the exact same thing. There's a lot of things that I'll try on myself, and and you know who cares if it screws up? But like with the kids, I just can't do that. It's, I've yeah. got to know that it's right. Uh, I, and so like with with plant based diets, certainly more and more it's becoming more popular, more accepted, and it's easier, I think, for parents to have the confidence that they are doing the right thing, if only because we look around and can find other people who are doing this. For you, when you started, it probably wasn't that way. Um, so given given how much you probably had to put into focusing on nutrition and making sure you were doing the right things back then, uh, what do you, I mean, what's your approach now to nutrition? Because I mean, it's, it's really, really easy, especially when lots of doctors and kind of the, the trend now is towards whole foods. It's really easy to say, well, just give them whole foods and they'll be fine. Like, you know, this diet works, you know, the China study, every other good book is talking about plant-based diet, at least in my opinion. <laughs> um, is that, can it be that simple or, or do we need to think more about iron and protein and calcium and all that stuff? I think, I mean, one thing I'd like to address on that is I think we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves as parents to feel like we have to meet that sort of like nutritional excellence or standard and that can be overwhelming at times like I eat a lot of whole foods I eat a lot of um, you know greens and raw foods through the day I can't expect that of my kids like it's just I think that we can feel like they need to eat very close to us and it's just not where they are and kids will grow with the diet certainly I mean they absolutely see what you're eating and they you know follow that example and they incorporate more good foods into their diet with you Um, and I'm not saying you don't start them out on it you do but I think that we have to understand that kids will not naturally necessarily love greens I mean there's sort of a natural inherent bitterness in greens that is hard for them. It's a palate adjustment. So we have to understand that. And also we have to accept that kids are going to be at birthday parties. They're going to be at school functions. There's Halloween, there's Christmas, there's all these things. So 
treats are going to be part of their lives. And I think if we feel like they can't have it, that's just too much pressure on us and kind of just takes away that whole element of childhood for them. So we have to, you know, just relax on that a little bit and do the sort of, you know, 80, 85% good, great food at home and, you know, wherever we can and, you know, let them have fun with the rest and be kids. Um, and the other thing is I think we do have to be very mindful of like most people in the vegan world know about B12 and we, you know, that's an important supplement for my kids too. I do supplement with, um, vitamin D because we do not get enough sun where we live, um, through the winter months. And DHA is also important when they're really little as well, because, you know, it's like a growth, um, nutrient and for their brains. And, uh, I think that we just need to be a little bit more mindful of that. And I think the protein, calcium and iron, those things come naturally through the whole foods, but some of those, those supplements in particular, at least from my experience, those are important ones to consider. Yeah, that's uh, I find that very easy to agree with. That's that's a lot of pretty much the same as what we do. We do, we give our kids a multivitamin from Dr. Furman, but also a DHA EPA. That multivitamin does contain vitamin D. But yeah, I think a, a lot of the things that most people on the outside kind of assume that you know you must be obsessing over. We we tend to say that they're going to come through Whole Foods, and I'm totally with you on uh, that. That the kids, you know, they they don't want. The, it seems like yeah, here eat these greens or eat these these potatoes. Things just seem to an adult like yeah, that seems pretty good. Um, a lot of times they don't want that stuff, and it's it's been a process in trying to you know learn ways to sneakily incorporate it. But then gradually, as as my son who's almost six now, you know he's he's coming around and starting to eat these other foods. Um, and a large part of that, of course, is in thanks to to books like yours, where where you do provide. Lots of good kid friendly food, and one thing I really like about your stuff is that it's not um it's not like dainty plant based food i mean it's it's uh it's practical and, and this goes for i mean because I think hopefully there are some people listening to this who aren't parents um and I'm, I'm sure that there are um but I think it's it's a really just practical and, and i mean the the newest one i don't know about all your other ones, but is oil free which is really good or at least has oil free option for everything I believe. Yeah, the new one is totally oil-free. I have oil-free recipes in some of them, but that's sort of been like a bit of the plant-based progression for me that, no, my earlier ones weren't completely, but they've always been, I guess, on the healthier side, I'll say. so. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so we're moving in that direction as well. We've we've kind of officially given up oil over the past year or so. Um, so I think it's just a really good cookbook. Even if you like don't have a family, <laughs> this cookbook still is a really nice kind of, I don't know, back-to-basic sort of... I don't want to say bare bones because it is good looking and nice and good tasting food, uh, but it's not a lot of really extra stuff, which I really appreciate. So um, on the on the no oil note, just I mean that that point of course is such a controversial thing when you mention it, even to a vegan audience. You know, you get lots of people who who just don't like that, do not want to be told that that their heart healthy olive oil is bad. Um, so I'm kind of curious about about your stance on it. I mean, how important do you think it is if you're eating otherwise healthily? to avoid oil completely or mostly. Um, and then after that, we can get into some, some tips about how to, how to cook oil free. Cause people really do want to know that. Yeah. yeah, sure. I mean, so I came like when I started writing my books, my, um, it actually started when my father-in-law had a heart attack. And so he, we were living in a small town and his cardiologist recommended that he follow the Dean Ornish program. So this was a long time ago. This was over 15 years ago and a small town where, Trust me, there was, you know, vegetarian was not part of the scene. And so when that came about, I started to learn about oil and its connection to heart disease. And they had to adopt a very low fat, almost no fat diet. And they followed 
that program. And that's when they started to come to us and ask for help. And that sort of started me writing my recipes. But um, so I've always understood that connection. But I feel like with children, there is a difference with a diet to raise children versus a diet for prevention of disease. And so when I say that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I just feel that when children are growing, they need more fat. And I don't use oil in my cooking, but I also don't restrict their whole foods fats. So I don't say, you know, oh, we're not going to use avocado tonight or coconut butter. I use coconut butter instead of coconut oil, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I've shifted my focus to using more whole foods forms of fats, like nuts and seeds and nut butters. And I use nut butters in baking and coconut butter in baking. But for kids, they do utilize more more fats and calories, I think, you know, than we need as adults, um, depending on our activity level, I guess. Um, so I think that it's, you know, it's a personal choice, really. I, I don't cook with it. But at the same time, I don't, I feel like vegan and plant based is the, you know, ultimate for people to go to. And I wouldn't want people to not go to eating vegan or plant based because they feel like they can't cook with a little bit of oil, if you know yeah. what I'm saying. Because yeah. I think it's really very much a journey where you learn and you learn and you take steps and you keep going. And that's kind of where I am. This is how I choose to not cook right now and or what to use in my, my cooking right now. But if we go out to dinner, I don't say, oh, is there oil in this? Like, that's not what we do. We This is how we live at home. If we go out to eat, then it's okay if we have oil in our food. Like, that's, that's something that I try to be more flexible with because I just think that's life. And yep. So. I like that. I uh, completely agree that that's exactly what we do. We don't don't restrict it at all when we're out. And when we're home, we almost never do. But now and then, if there's a certain special thing that just absolutely requires it, um, right. we do use it. So, yeah, I really like that approach. What What do you think about uh, as far as practical ways to use it? You mentioned coconut butter. And by the way, can you explain first uh, the difference between coconut butter and coconut oil? Because my wife actually just recently asked me what that was, and she was looking through your book. Um, sure. So can you explain that for people who don't know? Yeah, sure, because I get that question a lot. And coconut oil, a lot of people are familiar with it because it became a bit of like a health, you know, thing over the last number of years. But coconut oil is the oil that's extracted from the coconut, much like if you think about peanut oil or um, avocado oil or something that you would buy, you know, off the shelf that is an extracted oil. Um, coconut butter is the pure, the whole food coconut that's been pureed, much like peanut butter or much like almond butter. So they take the whole coconut, puree it. You can make it at home. I mean, I buy it for my purposes because I use, with my recipe testing, it's just easier to, to buy it for me for the amount of cooking I do. But you can make it yourself. If you buy unsweetened shredded coconut, just buy a bag like Bob's Red Mill or whatever brand you want to buy, and you pop it in your blender and or food processor if you have enough of it to get it whirring and you blend it up for like five seven minutes until it's it will become smooth and and liquidy and then when it chills it'll get harder again it's a much denser drier butter than like an almond butter um, but it works wonders in desserts and other recipes so it's really a whole foods product it's yes it's high in fat but it's a whole foods product great yeah i had no idea you could make it i've i've bought it before when it, i think it's called also called coconut mana or mana or something like that yeah there's a few names out there which makes it very confusing for me <laughs> right uh yeah i did not know you could make it though that's a really great tip um yeah and like you said it's going to be like you know have fat it's going to have saturated fat as well um yep. which makes it fairly unique among plant-based whole foods for sure 
but if you're of the mind that that whole food is okay, regardless of kind of what what its contents are, then uh, then that's a great one. Uh, so what else though? What else do you use instead of oil? Or I mean, I <clears throat> I think you use some applesauce and things like that now and then. But other tips, people want to know like how do you you know how do you reheat food that it's left over when you don't have oil? Um, actually, I guess they asked me that because we don't have a microwave. That, that'd be pretty easy. We don't we don't, I, you don't either. No, okay, good. No, we we stopped using a microwave many years ago, and it wasn't, you know, it was just one of those things where I felt like I wasn't using it that much anyways, actually. Mm-hmm. I was using it to thaw out ice cream occasionally, so I thought, this is ridiculous, so I could use the shelf space more than anything else. So we got rid of it, and what I use is a, we have a really nice toaster oven. It's a Breville. It's a really nice big-sized toaster oven. That's what I use to reheat things, and it's on all day, like through the day as I'm making recipes and I'm making lunches and dinner. So I'll just put things in small, um, you know, you get some oven-proof small dishes, like one cup size, and you can put sauces in that. Or um, when I'm reheating, say if it's reheating lasagna or pizza, you just put it on a tray with a bit of parchment, pop it in the toaster oven, 10 minutes. I mean, it's it's a matter of 10 minutes versus a minute, really, mm-hmm. right? Right. So that's been the most useful thing for me. Um, and if people are trying to find a way to ditch the microwave i'd get a good toaster oven and just start experimenting with it it's really useful yeah i mean it's really like you said it's 10 minutes instead of one minute but you can you can find it you can steam stuff to reheat it you can add a little water to the if it's kind of a saucy dish very very easy to reheat things in a pan um it just takes a little bit more time so i get a question a lot people just want and i know the answer to this for me but people want to know when you've when you're starting a meal and it's onion and garlic and you got to start and saute that and and ninety percent of typical dinners seem to start with that step. Yeah. Um, what do you do? Well, um, there's a number of different like liquids you can use. I mean, most people do a water saute or veggie broth saute. Some things I love to do, and I use I have a a couple of there's a soup recipe I do this with, and a few other things a chili. Sometimes I'll saute in a little bit of balsamic vinegar and it really infuses into the um, onions and say if you're doing bell peppers or whatever, kind of like infuses in there. And the thing without using oil is that sometimes it keeps sticking. So you just have to add a little more water or sometimes if you have, if you like to drink wine and you have some wine around, red or white wine, then add a splash of wine and it will deglaze and get all the stuff off the bottom. So it's really just about getting more moisture on the pan as you're going and you still can get a beautiful like color and caramelization with it. It just requires being at the pan a little bit more, I'd say than with oil. Um, and I think, you know, we, we sort of had a period where we were just using so much oil and sauteing, like you'd see it on TV and stuff and people would be adding like (laughs) half a cup of oil to saute. And, um, you really don't need it and you can use, um, any liquid really you want, um, and then just get the moisture from the vegetables as well that will help bring it bring it together. Um, so that's for sautéing. And then with baking, I mean, baking I use – a lot of people always resort to applesauce. But applesauce works really well in certain things like baked goods like muffins and quick breads and things that are soft. But if you want to do cookies, then you really need something that's a, a fat to bring a cookie texture. So I'll use things like nut butters or seed butters or coconut butters. Um, and I have a cake recipe actually in plant powered families. It's, um, a chocolate cake with a chocolate frosting and it's become, I think probably the most popular recipe out of the book because I use sweet potatoes in the cake and in the frosting and it's so decadent and people say all the time, like, I can't believe there's no fat, like there's no oil in this cake and the rest, the frosting has sweet potato and some nut butter. So it's just really luscious and like thick and amazing and delicious. (laughs) 
So there's things you can use other than applesauce, like other purees like sweet potato or pumpkin or um, banana. And then depending on the recipe, you incorporate some whole food fats in there too. Good. I can't wait to try that one. That uh, seems like a great – I've never really seen much sweet potato in stuff. I mean I've seen I've seen you know um, tofu where it's the um, – <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me today. The uh, – What's the name for tofu when it's when it's silken tofu? Yes, exactly. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't think of it. Yeah, I've seen some some things that use that and avocado and produce really good things. So I'm I'm curious to try the sweet potato one. Well, the sweet potato is great because it adds a really um, like silky texture. Because when you puree sweet potato, it becomes really smooth and silky, much like banana becomes really smooth. Um, but it's also naturally sweet, so you can cut down on the amount of sweetener too. So it's a it's like a beautiful. Um, I always roast them whole. That's the other pe- thing people always ask. Well, how do you cook them? And I don't fuss with it. I just take the sweet potatoes. I give them a quick wash, pop them in the oven on a parchment lined baking sheet, and bake them up till they're nice and roasty and and soft. And then you can use them in anything. They're just they're like one of my favorites, obviously. So <laughs> hmm. very cool. Good. So. Let's see. I want to ask you a couple more things. Uh, one second, really quick, Katrina. I want to pause to thank our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Aloha. The cold winter months have arrived. Keep them outpaced with 18 energizing, muscle-building grams of plant-based protein. Aloha protein powder is filled with the very best whole food ingredients like organic peas, hemp, and pumpkin seeds that keep you going all season long. And one thing that makes Aloha powder so special is that they're sweetened with natural ingredients like apple juice instead of artificial sweeteners. For an extra boost of whole food, whole body, healthy energy, add Aloha Daily Good Greens to the mix. Just choose one of their three delicious blends. They have chocolate, berry, or original, and pour it into your favorite water, juice, smoothie, or dressing. You'll get a full serving of fruit and veggie goodness for natural energy. Visit aloha.com and enter promo code ALOHA20 to get 20% off orders of $50 or more through February 29th, 2016. Okay, back with Rena Burton. Uh, so what do you think about soy? I mean, I know it's it appears in your book, the most recent one, um, not that much, but a little bit. So I'm curious, as a parent, what do you think about that as, uh, as far as, you know, all the controversy around it? Uh, I, think, I think a lot of us kind of have the same view that, it, that a little bit's fine. I wouldn't – I tend not to overdo it just because, like, anything that's controversial, I don't really want to base my diet around, even though I have every reason to believe that it's fine. Like, you know, why not just eat other beans sometimes as well? Uh, so I'm just curious, what do you think about that for kids and for just uh, a general a person who, who doesn't have kids yet? Yeah, and that's pretty much like how much you see it in my book is we use it, but not all the time. Like my kids love tofu. They love it. Um, they don't love tempeh a lot. Um, I use tempeh a little bit. I, I like tempeh myself. My husband does, but they don't love it. Um, but they do love tofu. So we – that's pretty much mostly what they eat though is tofu and like we buy some cashew milk and coconut milk and I do buy organic soy, but we don't just buy soy. So – uh, we focus far more on beans and grains and starches like sweet potatoes and potatoes. Um, I don't avoid it. So, but I, I think it's totally fine. Like you said, if you're buying organic and more whole foods forms, and uh, I think that we probably eat less of the dangerous soy than people sure. who are eating a lot of processed foods. Because if you look at a lot of processed foods, that's where all of the like soy derivatives are. And the ones that are probably genetically modified, like the soybean oils and the isolates, they're in a lot of processed foods that are on the shelves. And, uh, yeah, so we focus on more of the whole forms, but uh, we definitely eat far more beans, lentils, grains, that kind of thing. 
Yeah, that, that's what we do. We've we've struggled um, to get our our more our son because he was when we had him we weren't yet vegan we were vegetarian and just not quite as you know deep into this whole food world and we were giving him like the Gardein fake chicken thing so he kind of got addicted to those at a young age um, so to get him now to eat just like plain beans is is not quite as easy as I wish it were. My daughter on the other hand she loves that kind of stuff um, so it's it's much much easier like if we want him to get the kind of stuff that's in beans it's much much easier to give him tofu. Um, so that's kind of something we're trying to, we do it maybe once a week and I'm just, I don't want to go crazy with it. Uh, so I like that a lot. Yeah. And kids are, you know, each kid is a little bit different, right? I mean, I have one that doesn't, will not eat tofu as much as the other two. And then, but she loves the chickpea nibbles in the book, which I make those about three times a week. It's really just the simplest recipe where you roast up chickpeas with balsamic vinegar Mary and a touch of maple syrup and they take that to school all the time in their lunches they will reach into the fridge and grab those all the time so um, but kids each kid is a little different right so one likes it a little bit more than the other and um, yeah I mean it's it's kind of and kids will grow in and out of things too that's what I've seen they uh-huh. love things for a while and then <laughs> they tend to move into other tastes too right okay so I have a feeling someone whose kids are already eating close to this way, uh, I would imagine are, are getting some good ideas here. But somebody who maybe who eats this way or is curious about eating this way, but their kids don't, you know, that's such a hang-up for people. And, and, I mean, for good reason. It's it's a hard thing to transition your own diet into a plant-based one. It's, it's not an easy thing to do to just change your diet. Um, much, much harder, though, when you talk about change, if you're the cook in the family and you've got three other people whose diet you've also got to change or or that you desire to change along with yours – uh, if, if for nothing else than, than convenience, um, what advice do you have? Even if not from personal experience, but what advice do you have just for people, uh, who, who are committed to eating this way, but don't know how to get their kids to even begin eating about, you know, eating the things that, that we're talking about. Yeah. And I do hear from parents about that a lot. We have a Facebook group, um, where, you know, people ask questions and kind of like support each other and, and give each other tips and things. So I, that question comes up a lot and, you know, I haven't had that experience, but I have, you know, I have seen that. And one thing I recommend to people is that really focus on the foods that you love. Like don't start into a new journey with all these new and foreign foods. Like if you really love potatoes, then find some new potato dishes that don't have dairy or don't have meat and try to work in those or if you really love lentils okay but you know a lot sometimes these foods like lentils are new to people so I always say try to find those dishes you love and work the new foods in or start with an ingredient you love and find a few dishes that work with those and with your kids the same thing goes like I think with kids um, especially if they're a little bit older not to make a big deal of it like not well we're starting this whole new you know, journey and we're not, we're cutting out this, this and this, and maybe make some cookies one day and just put them on the table and the kids are digging into them. And, you know, you just have a conversation about how there's no eggs in them or there's no dairy in them. And then maybe, you know, it's tacos and you're making tacos with, um, chickpeas or lentils or whatever, instead of meat and, and just, you know, gradually bring the conversation. And it depends on the age too. Cause like, you know, older kids will really be curious. Like our middle daughter is so connected to the ethical part of our diet and it's really, really important to her. And so she, like she did a speech at school about it last year. So depends on the child and also the age where they want to engage in conversation and, and learn more. But I really think that you, you know, it helps to start with, you know, obviously what you love and just kind of build up from there. Good. I love that. Um, 
and on that note, I mean, you mentioned the school, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, and, and earlier in this, you mentioned the, the sort of the social situations and the birthday parties and the times when they are going to eat something that maybe isn't exactly what you would choose for them to eat, but they're kids, and, and you know, I think it, it tends to be uh, more effective just to let them eat something that isn't exactly what you want them to eat because otherwise they're they're going to be <laughs> they're going to resent it and eventually kind of rebel completely. Um, can you speak to that stuff a little bit though? Like, I mean, social situations, school stuff. Not so much just like how do you decide when to let them have stuff because I feel like it's not that hard to to sort of be reasonable and know when the exceptions are fine. Um, but just as a parent, I mean, have you do you deal with a lot of of I don't know negativity or other parents thinking this is weird or thinking your kids are the weird kids in school or because you're a cookbook author, like do people sort of just know that that that's what you do and they kind of know that's what you're about and, and they kind of assume that you understand what you're doing and don't criticize or anything like that? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it, I've seen a change over the years and I think the change has been partially because of food allergies more than anything else in school, that when we started, it was like very suspect what we were doing and now that teachers and parents are so aware of food allergies that it's not uncommon to say well we don't eat this and this um they're very very like uh conscious of it in school uh, i find that parents are you know they're more curious than judgmental now they used to be more judgmental maybe like 10 15 years ago but they're a little more curious now and same with teachers i mean i've had situations with the kids where they've come home and they've said so-and-so said this about my lunch today or said you don't eat meat what do you eat and you know comments like that but my kids handle it like it's like anything I mean your kids have to deal with these situations in school where there's conflict on the playground or there's you know an emotional issue with a friend or something so they do navigate the situations pretty well on their own we don't have to take care of everything for them even though we feel like we do sometimes but um, you know, you can have some of the conversations at home so that they can be somewhat informed when they're in these situations. But generally, I've found that my kids tend to deal with the situations pretty well on their own. And they haven't been too, like, they've never come home really upset because a kid said something negative or whatever. Usually, they handle it quite well, and I'm <laughs> amused at how they reply. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? I, that's great. Uh, I, I mean, we definitely do that with our son as far as food choices go. And, like, I just trust him to sort of do what he wants when it comes to if, if there's a snack in school that isn't vegan or isn't healthy like I, I as young as he is I feel like he kind of knows how to moderate and make the right choice and say the right thing and sometimes he'll have it and sometimes he won't yeah. uh, I have never really considered that, that that's that you know that they can just be so good at, at handling questions or even criticisms or things like that uh, but I think you're absolutely right and, and I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned that so um, one thing you mentioned that I'm curious about the food allergies thing mm. is that you're right that it seems like it's increasing and everyone's kid has a food allergy and every single class has a peanut allergy or a tree nut allergy or something. Is that, is that real? I mean, is that really happening or are parents just going crazy and, and parents are a little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it is, I have not had a year at school at an elementary school yet that there hasn't been a no. And I'm not talking peanuts. Like peanuts are out of the question. Anyhow, there's done a lot of, (laughs) But we have not had a year where nuts have been allowed in the classroom. So I've always packed nut-free lunches for my kids. And I do a lot of nut-free modifications in my recipes, like for cookies and things like that. Because it is really just part of the school world now. And I don't know what it's like in the States, but for us, it's just every year it is. And in preschool, we had odd times where, like, there was 
strawberry allergies or sesame allergies and different things. And you just kind of shake your head like, what's going on? But by the time they get to high school, because our, our older girls in high school now, it's all at the windows. They just can take whatever they want. <laughs> There's no rules. Nobody cares anymore. I don't know what's going oh, is that on. Right? Just because I guess the kids are then have to be responsible enough right. to, not, to not get around it. Right. And they're, and she's in a school that's so big um, that I don't think they can even try to monitor it. So it's she can take whatever she wants, pretty much. Um, but it's elementary that you really it's it's everywhere. And I like I said, I have not had a year yet that there's been no that there's been nuts allowed. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's I just do not remember that as a kid having that sort of stuff in elementary school. It is just and I don't know if it's the way that we're eating or, or the way that our, our farming food practices are or something is increasing or if it's just people are going crazy the way they did with, with gluten-free when everybody suddenly had a gluten intolerance uh, or what? <laughs> well, there is, I mean, there are a few, like we have one in our class that has a severe, a true severe peanut allergy. But then I think there are a lot of parents who, you know, there's a sensitivity so it's a sensitivity rather than an allergy, but certainly something's changed over the last couple of decades because it's, um, yeah, it's it's a different existence with food um, sure. than it was. Yeah, and, and but I'm I don't mean at all to belittle it or think that the people who legitimately have allergies shouldn't have, their parents shouldn't be extremely careful. I mean, obviously they should, uh, and I hope nobody would, would misinterpret that. No, I don't think they should. <laughs> Good. All right. Well, Drina, thank you much. This is this has been really fun for me. Uh, really, I would highly highly recommend your book, Plant Powered Families, to anyone who's listening to this and and just wants kind of a, a guidebook or a roadmap of what to actually do. I mean, you know, you've talked about sweet potato and cakes. Almost nobody's going to think about that as like, just come up with that idea and say, Hey, I'm going to put sweet potato in this cake because that'll replace the fat in some way. Um, but I think, I think if you cook from a book like this for a long time, just like any other, you know, going vegan, just cook from a book for a long time. And then you kind of learn the tricks and you learn how that author does things. Your book seems like a fantastic place to do that for someone who uh, is looking to, to make, really healthy whole vegan foods for their families uh so thank you very much for for your time and for for doing the work that you do well and back to you thanks matt and i really appreciate that um i've wanted to talk to you for a while so i, I just appreciate the time thanks all right i'll talk to you later okay thank you all right bye